Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, June 26th. As promised, it's another two-mini-break podcast Monday here on this show, as this week offers the final week of warm-ups on grass courts prior to the start of the 2023 Wimbledon. Now, if you're looking for Wimbledon preview content, all you have to do is head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. We will have a slew of guests joining me throughout the course of the week to break down the year's third major from every angle on tomorrow's show. Jeff Sackman of Tennis Abstract joins me to talk through the men's dark horses, but of course, throughout the course of the week, we'll get into all of the categories. We'll talk dark horses. We'll talk contenders. We'll talk Americans. We'll break down the draws when they come out as well. All of that content, again, going to be housed on our Great Shot podcast feed. So if you're looking for for our Crack Rackets Wimbledon preview content, the GSP feed is the place for you, of course. On today's show, what I want to do for all of you listeners is set the scene for this final week of grass court play prior to the start of Wimbledon. Yes, a major starts next week, but we know how valuable every repetition on a grass court is for these players. That's why it's not a complete shock to see so many of the top players in the world competing this week on tour on the women's side. You have seven top 10 players in action. Of course, that group highlighted by world number one, Iga Svantec, who gets her grass court season underway with a three-set victory in Bad Hamburg. Felt eagerly similar to the first round result we saw from Carlos Alcaraz last week. Alcaraz dropped his first set, looked a little bit like a fish out of water before finding his rhythm against Arthur Rinderknecht. She goes on to win that first round match. Obviously did not drop a set the rest of the week on his way to the title in London. I'll explain why Sviantek's three-set win over Maria it felt awfully similar, and obviously why that fact would bode well for the world number one this week. Of course, she's not the only top player competing in Bad Hamburg. Number two seed Lumilla Samsonova starts the week at number 15 in the live rankings. You've got players like Meyer Sharif, Anna Blinkova, Vavara Gracheva, Linda Naskova. Bianca Andrescu, the defending finalist entering the event. Plenty of top players in the world competing in Bad Hamburg. I'll set the scene, talk through each quarter, tell you what to watch for in that draw this week. Of course, I want to talk through Eastbourne as well. I mean, it's the week before Wimbledon. You have six of the top 10, seven of the top 11, eight of the top 13 competing in Eastbourne this week. Pagula, Garcia, Jabur, Goff. Krechikova, Kasikina, Haddad Maya, Kvitova for now being the key word as she did just win a title last week. Who knows if she's going to end up playing her first round match scheduled against Birmingham title winner from last week, Yelena Ostapenko. You feel like there's going to be a withdrawal one way or the other in that match. Nevertheless, again, 
Eastbourne draw loaded. I want to talk you through that draw, who to watch, what to expect throughout the course of the week. We'll talk through both WTA events. We'll talk through the ATP side of things as well as, again, a lot of top dogs looking to get some extra repetitions, in particular in Eastbourne, a wave of Americans. Taylor Fritz, your top seed, number two seed, Tommy Paul. You've got other guys like Nicolas Yari and, you know, again, Francisco Sarundolo, who've had a lot of success late on of, of late, excuse me, on other surfaces. How well can that success translate to the grass courts? That's a question we can ponder here on today's show. Of course, in Mallorca, you've got players like Stefano Tsitsipas, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, a cracked rackets favorite in Ben Shelton. Want to talk through again every draw on the board this week, tell you what you should be watching for. I'll offer my brief thoughts on Wimbledon qualifying as well, though, if you're looking for an extensive breakdown of what to expect through the qualifying rounds of singles, go check out the Great Shot podcast feed. Damian Kust, Jakob Bobro, our cracked rackets contributors, have you covered? That is the agenda. Here for today's show, of course, earlier today, I recapped last weekend on the ATP and WTA Tours titles from Kvitova, from Alcaraz, from Bublik, from Ostapenko. So if you're looking for the final bow on last week, all you got to do is scroll down on your mini break podcast feed. All of that said, before we get into it, a shout out to all of you listeners who tune in day in, day out, not just to this show, but all of our Cracked Rackets content. It's why we work so hard because it's our job to keep you all informed on every Everything happening across levels in the tennis world. The least we can do, given your enthusiasm for our content, is provided to you day in, day out. So again, on behalf of everyone here at Cracked Rackets, thank you for continuing to tune in. Of course, a massive thank you as well to our sponsors at Tennis Point for their support of this show. You all know the deal. Best equipment, best prices, one location, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 at checkout to let them know we sent you there. All right. All that said, what do we have in this final week of warmups prior to the start of Wimbledon? That's what I want to talk about here on today's show. Let's start by setting the scene at our two women's events. And look, I want to do more previewing than recapping here on today's show. But for what it's worth, they played out the entire first round in Bad Hamburg on Monday. Nothing too notable from an upset perspective. You have a bunch of lucky losers, truth be told, in this draw, a bunch of alternates, and that's not particularly surprising given the fact that, again, Wimbledon does start next week. But one player we did see in action, top seed Iga Svantec, who gets her grass court season started with a 5-7-6-2 six-love victory over last year's Wimbledon semifinalist Tatiana Maria. You look for Svantec now a WTA Tour leading 36th victory here in 2023. You look for her now in her career on grass courts, 10th victory of her career. She's now 10-6 overall. I mean, look, Tatiana Maria has not met a forehand she doesn't think is she's capable of slicing. And the reason I frame it like that is that slice made Sviantec uncomfortable. You could tell, fish out of water, all the footwork was out, off in set number one, despite the fact that Sviantec went up a quick two-love lead, broke Maria right out of the gates, and you thought, all right, here comes Sviantec in cruise control. But no, the chips, the charges, the down-the-line redirects, everything, you know, again, Everything Tatiana Maria did, throwing the kitchen sink at Iga Svantec with her variety, it threw Iga off in the first set. It didn't after that, as Iga, again, 5-7-6-2-6-love. 
guess what? First grass court match of the year against a player with a significant track record of grass court success who knows how to maneuver herself around the surface. It's not a shock to see Iga struggle a little bit in match number one. It's why playing this event this week, in my opinion, was such a good idea for the world number one to get this sort of match out of her system. And, you know, again, understand, okay, it's an extra three steps, not just an extra step to the ball. I need to measure myself on the inside out forehand as opposed to, you know, there are a lot of slice forehand approaches from Sviantec because her feet were never quite there in the first set. And then they were in set two. And then they were in set three. And then she did start to look like herself. And then she was able to impose her physicality, the depths of her ground stroke, so relentless. First match of the season on grass courts. Match number 16 of her career on the surface at the pro level. A minus. I mean, yeah, she lost a set, but it was how she recovered. And the level she displayed down the home stretch of that match. How, again, Maria didn't have an overwhelming weapon and clearly... Once she finds her footing on this surface, you imagine like on every other surface, you're going to need an overwhelming weapon to beat Iga Sviantek. The highest compliment I can give is that, again, she found her forward by the end of the match, was starting to play some real tennis. Sviantek threw in three sets. She's the top seed and obviously a 54.4% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. But look, first round in the books, it's a fascinating draw. The rest of the way. And for Sviantek now, she's going to take on the always tricky Jill Teichman. Teichman three sets over qualifier Claire Liu. Teichman had to qualify, by the way, to get into this event. Jill Teichman has struggled. She's outside the top 100. 129 in the world. 23 and 27 over the last 52 weeks. 16 and 17 here this year. I mean, 18 and 17 if you include the qualifying victories in Bad Hamburg, which Tennis Abstract for some reason, does not right now. She just has struggled. You know, again, how many times has she won multiple matches this season in a main draw? Once. She did it at a 120, no, excuse me, twice. She's done it at two 125Ks. She's yet to win multiple matches in a main draw of a tour-level event this year, and that's just not where the 25-year-old should be right now, given the top level she's displayed, given the fact she's a 1,000-level finalist. So this is a big opportunity to just take a swing, take some chances. That's a fun matchup, again, with how aggressive Teichman can be in, you know, up and down the top half of the draw. How about Layla Fernandez? Again, a player right now who's quietly sitting at 95 in the live rankings. Layla Fernandez needs wins, and so to get an 0-1-1 win over a lucky loser in Lena Roofer, I don't care who it is, wins on the board, keep you in the top 100. She's going to take on, on a blink of a the number nine seed in the next round. Another just solid win for Blinkova. 7-5 in the third over the veteran Sabine Lasicki. Looking elsewhere in the top half of the draw, Meyer Sharif gets a first-round win on this surface. She had success, obviously, at a 125K a little bit earlier in the month. She's got Bronzetti next round. You've got Irani Gracheva rounding out the top half. I mean, look, Iga's Iga. If she plays... 80% close to her top level. You feel like that should be enough for her to at least get to the final. But again, fewer than 20 matches on grass courts. This week is about finding comfort. It's not about winning the event for Iga Sviantek. It's about finding your level so that you can peak come Wimbledon. Top half of the draw will certainly offer her some... Te- like again, if she goes Teichman round two, Fernandez quarterfinal, Gracheva semifinal, and then whomever emerges out of the bottom half of the draw in the final... That's a significant warm-up. That, that's exactly what you're looking for from a match-level circumstance 
as a warm-up playing this week. And so I like the draw. I like the decision from Iga. And looking at the bottom half of the draw, Bianca Andreescu got a little tricky. She got gets through the reigning finalist here at this event, 7-5 in the third over the British wildcard, Sunny Kartal. She's got Rebecca Masarova next up. Masarova, I don't know what weapon. You know, again, Andreescu has such a significant advantage from a weapon standpoint. And yet, it just gets a little sloppy at times. So this is definitely a, an opportunity to reach a quarterfinal, of course. I mean, I love this bottom half of the draw. Alize Cornet, you feel like you can pencil her into, depending on the draw, round three of the Wimbledon, just given how solid she is. But she's playing a player who's been a rising star, up to number 60, career high in the WTA rankings, captured a 125 title on grass courts last week. Of course, I'm talking about Emma Navarro, who goes from that 125K last week. She wins her first round match this week. Top 50's a calling for the 2021 NCAA singles champ. Another young American to get excited about. And look, Cornet doesn't have an overwhelming weapon to work Navarro with. That Navarro forehand might be the biggest weapon on the court. That's going to be a fun one. Keep an eye on Emma Navarro. She's ranked higher, I think, than Alize Cornet right now. You look, Emma Navarro currently sitting at number 60. Alize Cornet currently sitting at number 74. Wouldn't even be an upset. Would be according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. Would not be according to the rankings. Keep an eye on Emma Navarro tomorrow. Sinyakova Rodina is really fun, but your match of the day, Naskova Samsonova. <sighs> Look, I mean, both are in straight set victories in round number one. Both are two players who, for Naskova, the weapons, again, if she can keep up, uh, she has the weapons to keep up with the pace of Samsonova. The question is for how long? And I'm looking forward to seeing that question answered because, again, a Samsonova straight set win. Now you start to wonder, hmm, is the powerful Russian finding her form a win from Noskova? You know the young Czech is destined for a slam breakthrough at some point. Might it be as soon as this 2023 Wimbledon? Things to watch in Bad Hamburg. Again, Iga Sviantek, 54.4% favorite Samsonova next, closest at 12%. In other words, as always, you feel like you should back Iga heading into the week. That's Bad Hamburg over in Eastbourne. The draw is that much more impressive. Again, seven of the top 11 players in the world all in action at this event in Eastbourne. Looking up and down the draw now, top seed ultimately withdrew, and I'm blanking on who it was, but if I had to guess, it was either Sabalay. Oh, it was Rabakina who withdrew, still feeling the effects, unfortunately, of that virus she picked up in Paris all right, last week's finalist, Barbara Krachikova, moves into that top spot as the number 10 seed. And just, again, looking up and down the draws, your seeds this week, Krachikova, Haddad Maya, Pagula, Goff, Kvitova, Jabur, Kasatkina, Garcia. I've said it all week long. I've said it all month long. Outside of the top three, who, do, who belongs at four? Who belongs at five on uh, on the list of contenders heading into Wimbledon, as at least as it relates to the women's singles draw? Let's find out this week. I mean, you want battles right away? How about Kvitova versus Ostapenko round one? How about Pagula versus Chinwen round one? How about Haddad Maya versus reigning Wimbledon quarterfinalist Maria Boshkova round one? How about... You know, again, Georgie versus Potapova as a lesser tier. Like, are either of these players particularly dangerous 
round one. How about the fact that Harriet Dart now 14-6, excuse me, on grass court since the start of last year. She faces the winner of Kvitova Ostapenko. Is it start to time? Uh, is it time to start taking her dark horse contendership at Wimbledon that much more seriously? This draw is awesome. It's loaded. The win percentages in, are indicative of how difficult it is to forecast because, you know, again, right now, Ostapenko, Kvitova play round one. The winner of that probably becomes your favorite. But Anjibur right now, 17.4% chance of winning the event, according to the abstract, Tennis Abstract singles forecast. She's the favorite. You know, then you get to Kvitova, 13.8. Goff, 12.7. Ostapenko, 9%. Karolina Pliskovo got a first-round win over Elisa Mertens today. She's at an 8.5%. Garcia, 7.2%. You know, Keys 8.3, and she gets a win to kick off her grass court season today, 6-4 and four over Teresa Martinsova. Lock in on the Eastbourne draw on the women's side. This is without question, pound for pound, your most loaded draw uh, we have this week in the pro tennis world. And again, last time I'll beat down this point, it's indicative of the fact that that every match matters, that for a lot of these players, they don't feel comfortable on this surface. And, you know, again, grass court tennis isn't the most physical. The points aren't necessarily the longest. All these players are elite athletes as well. And for some of them, maybe they took two weeks off and they're fresh following the French Open. So they feel like they can go on a little two to three week push here between this last week and then the start of hopefully two weeks of Wimbledon. It's a great draw. I'm locked in. A lot of fun first-round matches tomorrow again. Pagula Chinwen, Kvitova Stepanko, Potapova Georgie, Goff Para, Haddad Maya Boshkova. Hell, even Garcia versus Madison Brangle, grass court specialist we tennis nerds know. I can get down for that. I think it's going to be a really fun week of action in Eastbourne. And again, I still don't have any 1,000% assertive convictions as it relates to a contender's list, as it relates to who will definitively capture the singles titles outside of no, or the singles title on the women's side. On the men's side, it's Novak's world. We're all living in it. Alcaraz maybe can hang out in the world, but, you know, again, we know where that's headed. On the women's side, yeah, the top three are the top three, but again, there's some uncertainty there. And after that, it's anyone's guess. Momentum will be key. Confidence will be key, and recent form really feels like it matters at this Wimbledon, particularly given the absence of Ashley Barty now more than ever. And so Eastbourne's the draw to watch. I know I've spent the least amount of time, or I spent less time previewing it than Bad Hamburg, but it's because we've had less action so far, and certainly we will be leading this show, it feels like, with Eastbourne throughout the course of the week. Not only because there's a women's uh, event there, but there's some men's action as well. And look, do we have seven of the top 11 players in the world competing on the men's side? No, we only have two top 10 players in action. We only have five top 30 players in action. And perhaps that's due to the fact that the three out of five set format is just that much more physically demanding. And so maybe you are a little more hesitant to play the week before uh, on the grass courts. But still, I mean, you see Stefano Tsitsipas, who understandably has reason to not feel particularly confident, one and two on grass courts through the first two weeks. He's playing in Majorca. Again, in Eastbourne, you've got top seed Taylor Fritz, second seed Tommy Paul. They're each looking for a few more grass court repetitions. 
You had some fun matches on day one. A lot of seven sixes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven, six sets were played. We had seven total matches. Nine, seven, six sets. Welcome back to Grass Court Tennis. And look, they were all fun. I thought Mimir Kasmanovic, who served for the opening set, Wu Bing breaks him. He then cleaned things up. Kasmanovic has match points, 1540 at 4-5. Wu manages to hold there, extends things to the breaker. It was a really about as physical as a grass court match can be. Again, depending on the draw, keep an eye out for Wu Bing at Wimbledon. Just a shot maker and against lesser opponents physically, he's just going to be able to impose himself. But Kasmanovic is through. Marc-Andre Hoosler overwhelms the Ryan Penniston forehand with his pace. He's through three and two. J.J. Wolf, oh, was he hitting his forehand lights out today against Tomas Martin Echeverry. You know, Gregoire Barrere, three, six, seven, six, seven, six over Rusevori. Vukic, six, seven, seven, six, seven, six over Brandon Nakashima. The former Illini All-American is consolidating his place in the top 100. Extraordinarily impressive for the, I believe, 26-year-old from Australia. Yeah, 87 in the world, 27-year-old, excuse me, from Australia. Extraordinarily impressive what he's done over the last 52 weeks. And then, how about Luca Van Asha versus George Lofhagen? Van Asha, he's just solid. Now, the forehand's a little big. It's a little more volatile, but he moves so well. He's comfortable taking the ball on the rise, moving forward, being the aggressor. There's a reason he is now in the top 100. I liked what I saw with the 22-year-old Lofhagen as well. His ability to hold the baseline, the weapons he produced. I mean, this is a guy in Lofhagen who won, I think, went on a nine-match win streak at the 25K level. Yeah, there it is at the start of May and currently sitting at 367, which is right around a new career high. He has my attention. I'll be keeping an eye on him at the Challengers throughout the course of the summer because with his weapons, I think he could have a lot of success on the hard courts, depending on what he chooses from a scheduling perspective. But Man, Van Asch is just rock solid. And, you know, Lofhagen served for the, the match 5-4 in the second, 6-5 in the second. There were a lot of breaks to serve in this match, indicative of the fact that both these guys are still relatively young in their pro careers. But, man, Van Asch is through. And I thought he looked pretty good in doing so. And, you know, again, with those first-round results in mind, you look at the draw here. Taylor Fritz has Botik Vandesenschkulp as the seed in his section. Mackie McDonald's in this section. Always tricky on a hard court, uh, on a grass court, excuse me. But, you know, again, Fritz plays the winner of Chechenato McDonald round one. That is, that might be the toughest match for Fritz in his quarter. Will be that first round match moving forward. Again, for Francisco Sarundolo, I thought he looked pretty good last week in his first week of action on the grass courts. I know he got knocked out by Dimitrov 3-5, and five, but beat Tommy Paul 6-4 in the third. And again, the Dimitrov match, though he lost it in straights, was grass court competitive. He's taken on the big server, Marc-Andre Hussler, the sort of lefty who can find that Sarundolo backhand with a little more ease. It's a good test, a good litmus test for Sarundolo heading in this whole section. You've got Lorenzo Sanego, who Jeff Sackman named one of his dark horses to do some serious damage. I understand why. The Italians in this section. Max Cressy, if he can get things going, maybe he's a little bit of a Wimbledon dark horse. 
that's your top half of the draw again. Your seeds, Fritz, Botic, Sarundolo, Sinego. Fritz right now, according to the Tennis Abstract Singles forecast, 25.7% chance of winning the event, 37.4% chance of advancing to the final. He has the highest odds. Sinego second best, followed by Sarundolo at third in that top half. You look at the bottom half of the draw, again, after how good Wolf looked today. He has my attention. His serve forehand combination, just good luck tracking down. You might track down the first forehand. Good luck tracking down the second on this surface. And again, that's just, that's his playbook. Slider out wide, first serve to the open court. It should work on these grass courts. He's a guy to watch. Nicolas Yari, Jeff Sackman, another dark horse candidate. Yari right now, top five in hold percentage on the ATP Tour. Why can't his first serve, first forehand, first strike game style work on this surface? It certainly feels like on paper it should. He's a guy to watch. I talked a lot about Tommy Paul in the Dark Horse pod with Jeff Sackman. So again, go check out that GSP. But Tommy's too skilled to not be really good on grass courts throughout the course of his career. And I think he will have a quarterfinal, semifinal Wimbledon run. That's really where his top 20 form got started last year on the grass courts, where he made a bunch of quarterfinals consecutively, rode that momentum in the summer, and has really ridden that momentum ever since. Hasn't had the mojo yet on the grass courts this year, but has played a couple of good matches despite the early losses. So keep your eye on him in Eastbourne in Majorca. Haven't seen top seed Stefano Tsitsipas yet. Haven't seen our second seeded player, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, either. Here's what we have seen to rapid fire through. Thompson, straight sets over Richard Gasquet. Jordan Thompson absolutely could be one of the final 32 players upset a seed at this Wimbledon. How about Lloyd Harris? That's a name we haven't said in a while. Why can't the big South, big serving South African make a run if healthy? He gets a straight set win over Zapata Morales. Carbeas Baena, a winner. Kotov, a winner. Mute, a winner. Guido Pea, 7-6 in the third over Marcos Giron. Ramon Sefillin, uh, straight sets over Abdullah Shelby. The two matches that, of course, most caught my eye from round number one, my guy, Yana Kaufman, the former USC All-American. I've called him the, perhaps the most underrated men's college tennis player of the 2010s, was a part of two really freaking good USC national championship winning teams, clinched the national indoors and clinched the national championship on what was the four-peat team for Stevie J's USC Trojans. Two and one victory to advance to the round of 16, 31 years old, cracked the top 75 for the first time in his career this season. He's currently sitting at 47. That's what it's all about. You can't get excited about that, fans. I just don't know what to tell you. And then how about Chris Eubanks? Same sort of deal. Former Georgia Tech All-American. Now didn't quite have the success in, in college from a team perspective that Hoffman didn't, but the 27-year-old Eubanks, after making the big push at Miami, he's capitalized on it, up to 75 in the live rankings, 7-5 in the third over the very, very talented young American, Alex Mickelson. Keep an eye on Mickelson moving forward, especially now that we learned his perhaps once upon a time future teammate, Ethan Quinn, the 2023 NCAA men's singles champion, announced he's turning pro, will not be headed back to Georgia. Mickelson is slated to join the Georgia men's team in the spring of 2023. We'll see if that happens at this point. No Quinn coming back. Miguel Perez-Pena, the only starter coming back. Look, they'd love to have Mickelson. Georgia needs to have Mickelson, but he's top 300 in the world. And at that point, the game looks there. The skills are there. He could uh, Six months of college physical development would be perfect for Mickelson, but the results are already there. 
and you can develop as you go. So, you know, that's what's happened thus far in Mallorca. This is a tamer draw. You know, again, top seed, Stefano Tsitsipas, 30.9% chance of winning after that. You've got guys like Kubler's actually got the second best chance, 14.3. Davidovich Fokina, a third, 10.8. And then Adrian Manorino would probably be second, but he is in that Tsitsipas section of the draw. And so Manorino, 10.4% chance of winning the event. Hanfman Tsitsipas, the Hanfman kick serve and how he serves in volleys is built to beat Tsitsipas, but the Tsitsipas serving to the Hanfman forehand might be troubles for Yannick as well. So that's a really fun round of 16 match to keep your eyes on. I believe it won't happen until Wednesday, but certainly something to think about. That said, that's all of your tour-level action. Of course, Wimbledon qualifying now officially underway as well. As I alluded to earlier, I would implore all of you, go check out Damien Kust, Jakob Bobro. They break down all aspects of Wimbledon qualifying, get you ready for everything. Most notable winners to me on the day— I mean, look, I'm going to be a little bit biased. Johannes Monday, the Tennessee All-American. He's a big 6'5 lefty. Words you love to hear. He beats last year's Wimbledon Juniors champion, Millie Polyachak. 6'3 in the third. His first Grand Slam qualifying win, making the most of a wild card. Ditto for South Carolina All-American Toby Samuel, he got a three-set victory uh, to uh, maybe it was straight sets, but I know he got uh, yeah straight sets over Antoine Byler to advance to round number two. Gabe Diallo, the former Kentucky All-American, six-one in the third, he advances uh, to the second round of qualifying as well. Charlie Broom. Former Dartmouth number one singles player, Baylor standout, 6-3 in the third. He advances to round number two. Charlie Broom played five singles for Baylor his senior year. That's impressive. Alexander Kovacevic, former Illinois All-American, he is through uh, in straight sets to round number two. He's the 14th seed, so that's not particularly shocking. Outside of that, some notable results. My guy Dom Stricker, 5-4 and four over Stevie Johnson. Dom Stricker is going to be a top 25 player when it all clicks. It just hasn't all quite clicked uh, for the young Swiss player yet. Other winners that, you know, we talk about here at Cracked Rackets, Zach Svida, he gets a win, 6-3 in the third. Rinky Hijikata, coming off of that semifinal a few weeks ago, he gets a 6-6 six and six win over a fellow countryman in the always dangerous on grass courts, uh, Tiago Sabeth-Vild. How about Hyun Chung? 6-3 in the third over Kuzmanov. I forgot to mention former USC All-American Emilio Gomez. He gets a straight set win. Dennis Kudla, always a danger on grass courts. He's made a second week at Wimbledon. He's through in straight sets. Your big upset of the day, Tanasi Kokonakis, the number two seed in qualifying, knocked out by Leandro Rady, 7-5-6-4. Those, I would say, are your most relevant results through round number one, at least as it relates to... Uh, as I see them thus far. But again, it's because a lot of top seeds advance comfortably. And look, with round two coming up, Michael Moe threw in, in three sets, by the way, as well. Most interesting men's second round matches. Radu Elbot versus Johannes Monday, because I'm getting unbiased. Every Hyun Chung match is fascinating. Svida versus Pullmans, I'm in on that. Tiago Sabeth Vild versus Herbert, I kind of like that one as well. Rinky Hijikano versus Marcelo Barrios Vera. A lot of good round two matches uh, to keep an eye on in that Wimbledon men's singles qualifying. And then on the women's side, action gets underway on Tuesday. Players to watch for. Let's see. Kayla Days, your 16 seed. Clara Tawson versus Amina Bactis. Bactis has won three grass court matches at the tour level. Her first three tour level victories all this month. 
that's a dangerous first-round match for the third-seeded Clara Tossin. Fruvertova versus Balik, Battle of the Young Czechs, absolutely has my attention. Andriva's on court and Lee's on court. Let's see, who else are we looking for here? I mean, Mai Hatama, obviously the former Ole Miss standout. Taylor Townsend, her game on this surface. You have my attention. Robin Montgomery has my attention. Kenan Falcone, an All-American matchup is fun. Hreet Minin versus Jeannie Bouchard. Bouchard, a former semifinalist at this event. Other young Americans, Ashlyn Kruger, Elizabeth Mandelik. Former NC State All-American Diana Schneider's taking on young American Liv Havdi. That's a Colette Lewis special and one you know we'll have our eyes on here at Crack Rackets. Schneider Havdi and then uh, what was the number? Schneider Havdi and Balik Fruvertova. Those are my two best round one women's matches of qualifying tomorrow. So Balik Fruvertova's at 6 a.m. Havdi Schneider, 945 Eastern time. Plenty of fun action for us to keep an eye on. And, of course, we'll continue to do so here on this mini-break podcast throughout the course of the week. That said, that's your look at this final week, the final warm-up before the 2023 Wimbledon gets underway. Again, if you are looking for Wimbledon preview content, the Great Shot podcast feed is the place for you. Men's Dark Horses pod coming tomorrow with our dear friend Tennis Abstracts, Jeff Sackman. Get into the women's dark horses. We'll talk draws. We'll talk contenders. So much more throughout the course of the week. So if you haven't already, go subscribe to the Great Shot Podcast to ensure you don't miss anything. Of course, how are we able to go a couple of podcasts wide here at Crack Rackets? It's because of the support we get from our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and the f- of an ending job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out to him. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 with all of the that said, for my fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.